Hello, and welcome to this week's podcast with Pastor Pleck and our special guest this week, Pastor Joseph. Yes, I'm the special guest. Yes. Very, very special. Very special. <laughs> this week, we've got a jam-packed group of conversations to have um, dealing with our Politics and Jesus sermon series. Are you guys ready? Yes. Yes. I'm ready. I'm very ready, and I feel bad that we've taken this long to get to it, but we had stacks of things, and then Thanksgiving happened. So we are apologizing profusely, but understand that our listening audience has deep compassion for us. So here we go. First question around politics and Jesus starts off. Marriage and relationships are hard already. So how do you or should you be with someone who has different political opinions than you? Does equally yoked apply here as well? Joseph, what do you think? I don't think that politics should... um, I don't believe that the Bible says you should not marry someone because of their politics. If I go straight, simple, answer the question. Yeah, like you're... you're, I love the... Only answer the question you're asked is kind of what we always uh, say around here. Uh, but the reality is, yeah, when whenever you talk about marriage and relationships, um, <clears throat> politics uh, is a uh, it's a parallel thing, not necessarily something that would be a roadblock. It's something that's going to be in somebody's life, and how they vote uh, doesn't necessarily mean how they follow the law. It doesn't mean necessarily how they do anything. And so that becomes a difference of opinion. Uh, now, and this is where it gets really difficult. This is where it's because now when you enter into, um, you're going to have conversations. And one of the things that, that Pastor Joseph and I talked about uh, in the preceding weeks was you have to look at each other and love one another. And one of the greatest ways to submit to one another and to love one another is within a marital relationship. And so if you have different political views, uh, that doesn't mean like, well, looks like we're getting a divorce. What that means is we're gonna have to learn how to love one another and more importantly, how to listen to one another even more. Uh, Chris, could you do one more thing, explain what it means to be equally yoked? Yeah, yeah. Equally yoked means um, that you are a believer married to another believer. And specifically in the context of the equally yoked passage, uh, it was referring to business relationships, which marriage is a type of business relationship. So it definitely falls in that category. But don't get into a business contractual relationship with somebody who is not a believer is essentially what unequally yoked means. And so you wouldn't get into a business partnership. And so now I'm going a completely different route with this, but just so you understand, it primarily means don't get into a business partnership uh, with somebody who does not worship Jesus. And so therefore also don't get into, in in the business of you, you Inc., don't uh, become married to or partner to somebody who is not uh, a believer. And I just to add one more thing, when he, when he said, how do you, uh, be in a relationship with someone that potentially has different political views. The same way y'all was raised different, so your parenting style would be different. <laughs> you you have a lot more differences than politics that I will say will uh, kind of affect your household a little bit more. So it's the same thing. You talk to them, you talk about them, you stay close to them for proximity purposes to get to know them, to hear them, sto- to hear their stories, to love them well where they're at, and to Seek understanding. I right. Think that was one of the things we talked about, seeking understanding. Right. And and the biggest piece of that is, you know, he who answers before listening is a fool in his folly. And what you're saying is, um, whenever you say the phrase, I don't understand how they can vote that way, how they could think that way, that means you don't want to listen to them. 
that means you don't actually care about knowing uh, why they would do anything. And so that becomes a problem. And that's not only going to affect your political um, views, meshing, it's going to affect your your marriage, right? So if you say, I don't want to understand how you can think that way, mm-hmm. uh, not just about politics, about anything, then what it shows is, is a lack of empathy and you are a fool in your folly. And I know that sounds harsh, but that's the reality that we're dealing with because honestly, isn't if you have a hold to a political view, isn't the whole point to sort of share and bring people to your political viewpoint? But if you don't ever listen or you can't articulate what somebody else believes, how in the world are you going to be able to um, convince them otherwise? So I think that becomes super important in any sort of relationship or any negotiation or any type of business relationship. And that's why, here we go back to this. The only way you can really make this happen really well is if you are Christians, because Christians have the mandate to love one another. That's good. So there's a follow-up question here, Joni, that you want to hit for us? Our follow-up question is, within all of this, there are a lot of people who are raising young adults, and they're trying to explain this climate to them and just how to love others through all of this. So how would you best explain all of these things to the teenagers that are growing up in this? Yeah, this man, I really love what Joseph uh, said earlier about you're coming up with different parenting styles and you're somehow figuring it out. Or maybe you're not, and that's why you're needing help and coming to counseling, which I totally am all for. Uh, but Joseph, what do you think? How, how would you explain this to uh, children whose brains aren't yet fully developed, and and they might be, depending on the relationship with you, either just go uh, the polar opposite of you if they have a poor relationship, or just to go on, they, they take on your beliefs to the extreme if they have a good relationship with you. Uh, one of the things Christian said that, or Chris said, was that us as Christians we got to love one another, and we're called to do that. And so I'm a true believer. Being a teacher of teenagers um, who are trying to learn and figure out themselves that you truly have to reach them before you teach them. Mm. And so it doesn't matter what you say, how you say it. They're not going to listen if there's no relationships there. Uh, so I believe the first thing is relationship. Like Chris said, they're either going to do the polar opposite or they're going to do what you do to the extreme, um, depending on your relationship with them. And so it has to be biblical based. I think that they have a, they have to have a strong foundation in Jesus Christ and understanding who he is, what he died for, uh, how he loved, showing how he loved and who he loved. Because when that happens, and then they can reciprocate him. They're not trying to copy mommy. They're not trying to copy that. Daddy. They're imitating. Uh, they're being imitators of who Christ is and what Christ did. And so then when we go out, it doesn't matter if you're red or blue or black or white. It's like, I'm loving you because of who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, that's the lens I see through this. With what, what can happen is when you think about you want your kid to play sports and, or do the sports you did and you want them to be better than you. So you push them. I mean, and, and they're they're operating out of your love for something and not their love for something. Mm-hmm. Um, we begin to push our beliefs on them. And so we have to make sure that we push uh, the uh, Christ mindset so that they're not looking through the lens of being liberal. They're not l- looking through the lens of leaning more right. They're looking through the lens of Jesus Christ, and that's what they're walking in. Yeah, and, and specifically in my own house, this is way, because uh, my son, uh, my oldest son, you know, he's only seven, but he can sometimes come up with like a pointed extreme of what our Adrian, I believe. And so my goal with him is to sort of explain the other side and why they have a valid viewpoint that I simply disagree with. And so, and that puts in the context of something you don't get so vehemently angry about because what happens, this is where people on social media, and I, and I appreciate the anger and I appreciate the frustration because that means they care. If you didn't, if you weren't passionate about it, then you wouldn't care. 
And God says we should be seeking the welfare of the city. And if we're seeking the welfare of the city, that means we're going to be politically active. If we're politically active, that means we're going to care. So inevitably, you're going to care. But if we can understand why a, a person wouldn't care in the same way that we would care, then um, you are not teaching – this is why you are not teaching them appropriately. So here, here's what I mean by that. Um, you know, the way that you kind of create a cultic following is you kind of pit one side against the other, right? Uh, you'd say, here is the bad guys. They're over here. Here are the good guys. Now, let's overlook all the flaws of the good guys because, you know, we're the good guys. We're on the right team. You know, we're not perfect. Nobody is. But let's look at the evil, maniacal people on the other side. And when you start to do that, it catalyzes something in our children, especially in teenagers, that when they get to college age, they go, I've been lied to. As opposed to my parents, and I think what, what parents are afraid of, they're afraid to go, if I look favorably or I explain the other side, my kids will just take that on and they'll, or they won't take, they'll take on an opinion that I don't want them to hold. Now listen, there are some opinions you want your children to hold. And, uh, but even when it comes to evangelism, like I want my children to know Jesus, but the way that I'm going to convince them, even outside of my house, isn't to just sort of bash every other religion, uh, but it's to say here, the whole world, in fact, um, sometimes my kids and I will listen to secular music and I'll go, you hear what they're crying out for. They're asking someone to save them and they're searching for it in relationships. They're searching for it in money. They're searching for it in some sort of significance. And all they actually need is Jesus. And we'll flip over this, the station when now we listen to Christian music and I go, see the difference? The difference is this person is saying, God, I have found the peace that I've been searching for. And all the other music is representative of the struggle, which is why we love it, which is why it's beautiful, which is why when, when an unanswered prayer or the broken heart cries out, it brings truth because that... That truth of unfulfillment is true no matter where it comes from, and that's why we always point to the gospel. Back to politics. When you're expressing like a political viewpoint, you can't ever put your hope there. And so even if you have the right answer, quote-unquote, the problem is the answer, if it goes anywhere other than Jesus, it mm -hmm. isn't the right answer, and you're always going to be like trying to patch the holes because there's a hole in every political view that leaves some people out, and that's a struggle. Anyway, that that's sort of the viewpoint I try and take with at least my children. Now, granted, they're not teenagers yet, and um, and my wife has taught teenagers, and Joseph has taught teenagers, and so teenagers are really impressionable. But what we both have seen is that teenagers respond first to relationship. Okay, we are going to take a bit of a turn and take a look at Romans 14 that you guys talked about in one of the sermons throughout this series. Mm -hmm. The question was, I struggle to compare Romans 14 to how we cast who we vote for. I get the point of submitting in who we vote for um, in place of considering what day we worship on or choosing one food over another, but weren't those all ceremonial laws from the Old Testament and not moral laws? Uh, yeah, this is a great question. So, <clears throat> let's go to let, let's go to the if we're going to be literal because it sounds like this person wants to be literal casting a vote does not kill a baby because usually this is where a lot of christians come from at least ones that from my background uh they would say if you vote for somebody who supports abortion you are essentially voting for death and that is a very difficult position to take because that, that makes you a single-issue voter. And I'm not saying being a single-issue voter is a wrong thing or a bad thing, but it, what it comes down to is we're not equating to voting for someone who doesn't agree with you as murder. 
Because mm-hmm. that would be saying then, in the same way, because you view it that way, um, that somebody who goes outside without a mask on, it would be guilty of murder. Like, it, it just isn't true, right? The vote doesn't kill anybody, right? So I think that's the, the first part that you got to start with on that one. So the reason why we chose Romans 14, and, and Joseph and I were, were both really working through this, is because it dealt with a, 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 an issue that was very important to certain people. To the Gentiles, it meant nothing. Mm-hmm. Gentiles did not have any issues over food, but the Jewish people did. And so for them, it wasn't just a ceremonial law, although it clearly was. It was something tied to their relationship with God. So for them to eat um, unclean food, pork, would feel like they were defiling their soul. And so Paul's like, fine, don't eat it. Don't put yourself in a position if you don't have enough faith to um, to go down this road of trusting in Jesus, right? That That's the issue. But if someone who chose not to eat pork and was trying to convince other people not to eat pork, that doesn't necessarily make them evil. It might make them uh, a person of weaker faith. And that sounds terrible. And people in general look at that as like, oh, they must be less than. It's not that they're less than. It's not like you've, you, it's not like you've arrived at HNL, whole nother level, once you arrive at a place where your faith is strong enough that you can endure people eating differently than you, or or in this case, voting differently than you. That That's the first place I go. Joseph, do you want to kind of jump on that? Yeah. For me, I was looking at verse 17, where it says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. Mm but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so kind of where Chris was going and talking about, like, it's talking about things that are dividing us as believers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right now, if you look at the the, the t- where we are, the climate of the, the nation, we are divided mm-hmm. because of politics. These are things that are dividing. So, yes, on a practical sense, when we take the, 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 the text off, yes, it's talking about ceremonial and moral laws. But like Chris said, it's, it was more than that to them. These are things like if I eat this, then I'm, I'm messing up my relationship with God. Right. And so if that's you. If that's your conviction, then that's fine. But when we're talking about it's the same thing with voting. If I vote this way, then you're not a Christian. Right. Uh, or if you vote that way, then I'm what, whatever it may be. And so just being able to understand that God is trying to get us to, to hold on and gravitate towards this idea of not allowing things to divide us that aren't about salvation. They're not salvation. What is it? Salvific. 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 There, there was this, I'm not going to be saved because of how I vote. I'm not going right. to not be saved because of right. how I and, vote. Because and, some people have told me, Chris, in my, I can't vote for that person. And they give me their slew of reasons. And and I'm like, those are great reasons. And if you are convicted in that way, um, I'm not going to say you're no, no longer a Christian or you're in sin because that you've been convicted in that way. And I think one of the things we talked about uh, in... Um, are in as we're talking about the sermon series politics and Jesus is that people may vote differently, but just because your candidate does not win doesn't mean that you voted in sin. Ooh, look at that, it rhymes. Just because your candidate doesn't win doesn't mean you voted in sin. In other words, it might be the very thing that. So, for example, right now, uh, President-elect Joe Biden. All right, he. Uh, it's not like he through the media through everyone it says there isn't a like mandate for him to go and put forth a pretty much a socialist agenda as many people uh, at least when you watch msnbc or rachel maddow or you kind of go from a, a more liberal perspective they kind of were thinking this is going to be a blue wave that said that america is going to turn socialist now the reality that's not what happened and so you had president trump voted out but actually the 
uh, in Congress, uh, more the Republicans gain more House seats, which tells. So again, it tells you something about the just the the, the where the nation is. They're not ready to embrace socialist um, agenda, but they're not ready to embrace someone who has the language and the rhetoric that he uses, which then pushes away people and divides the post unites. And so you might I don't you might might not necessarily agree with the way I just describe that, and that's okay. But the reality is the votes show that one party does not have a complete grip on the nation, and so that and that's helpful. So in the same way that you, you may have voted for the person that lost, that doesn't mean your vote was in vain, but rather it lets um, the winning party know that they need to um, balance out their political agenda to reflect the people. Now here's what, here's what else is true. <laughs> Government is an instrument of God that he uses to bring, well, we talked about this, common grace or general grace to people. And that common grace are things like roads. Anything that brings order to the chaos uh, is brings civility. Anything like that, that is all positive things. But that's not specific grace, which is Jesus is transforming grace that regenerates you from death to life because of his death, burial, and resurrection. And so when we understand that, that there are people in governing positions that God has sovereignly put there, and there's this divide in the country, and you say, I must be on the wrong side. No, that divide in the country is, is put there. And I'm gonna, I, Now here's where I'm going to um, interject my reasoning for it. I think it's so that the church might be a beacon of hope to be the one place where red and blue are united, where we are from the kingdom of God perspective, and we can be a conscience of the nation as opposed to a tool of a political political party. And the one thing I'll add to all of that is when you're reading through the text, understanding that there are uh, practical, where we take off what is the text actually saying, then there's a principle mm-hmm. Of the text, like now, how do I use this? You know that whole observation, interpretation, application. Mm-hmm. Like practically, this is what's going on right now. Okay, now how do I interpret it? Well, they're talking about a division between yeah. a group of people uh, who were supposed to have the same common goal. And okay, and so the, the the principle is we don't want to be divided as believers because of uh, earthly, worldly things. Right, and and that was food in this case for us. For, it's still food, can be food, but sure. right now it's politics, it's right. race, it's, yeah. it's class is fine it's economics you know yeah yeah and and here's the the neat thing about this is um remember there isn't a passage in scripture like i i'm looking i got my bible right here there's not one prescript there's not one piece of scripture that's prescribing how you should vote there isn't a prescription for voting so you can't say that that is a sin issue or not there are lots of principles in the Bible that give us a description. And so what we we're using, using Romans 14, was a description of an issue that was sort of similar. And the what Paul prescribed in that specific context, we thought we can take a principle from that when there is something that's amoral, not meaning like immoral, but amoral means n- not a matter of morality, but rather a matter of opinion. And that's where you that's where you overcome a difference of opinion with love. All right, and so the last question we are going to tackle this week starts out. How do you speak with Christians who have no problem oppressing the poor, widows, and orphans to achieve their own ends? And how do you interact with Christians who value other people's lives as less than their own or even practice abuse? That's a, that's, a, that's a heavy question. All right, so let's break it down. How do you speak with Christians who have no problem oppressing the poor, widows, and orphans to achieve their ends? 
Now, remember, this is where we look at James. Uh, let's just take a quick look at James chapter uno. Verse 27 is this. Uh, religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So if someone said, as a Christian, um, I believe in oppressing poor widows and orphans to achieve my ends, then you would say, I don't think you've read James 1.27. They'd be like, what? I didn't know that was in there. Remember, because the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it convicts the heart and it intercedes in the thoughts. And so that's why we got to trust God's word when it comes to Christians. So any Christian who says, I have no problem uh, afflicting orphans and widows and aren't looking out for them, doesn't understand the heart of God. And I would question, man, this, I don't want to get into anyone's salvation, but I'd be like, nah, you need to be corrected in love. So I think that's the first thing you do is you'd approach somebody who outwardly says that. But my thinking is they probably don't believe that the way that they are, uh, that what they are doing is oppressing the poor widows and orphans. Uh, but they, they kind of mm-hmm. have to be pretty maniacal to be like that. You want to jump in there, Joseph? Yeah. Uh, with the word, to answer the question, how do you speak to Christians who have no problem oppressing the poor? Chris said it. You give them the, give them the word. Well, the word says this. So what does this mean to you? And walking them through that. But in, in my mind, if this is if this question came up during politics and Jesus, so more than likely is someone saying, well, they voted for this or they voted for that. And so this is what they believe. And so we don't we, we want to make sure that we're not pushing uh, thoughts. Have motives. Yeah. Motives. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I don't want to push a motive uh, like, oh, they want to conquer the world and use their evil, maniacal, fascist minds to whatever. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'll say that even since Chris and I had the conversations, I have... Like I have family members and friends that listen to the sermon and say, you're, I can't believe your pastor voted for that guy. And and they go into it and, and it's like they missed the whole thing. This is what we're trying to get you to understand. We love each other. Mm-hmm. The the agenda we're trying to push it, push isn't ours, it's God's. Mm-hmm. It's his plan and mm-hmm. his purpose and what he's called us to do. And we agree that uh, in the word of God and that's where we go. And we can have conversations about politics mm-hmm. and it not be about the, the, I wouldn't push this. I don't believe that Chris is a racist. I know he loves me with everything, and he do he you know he'll give me the shirt off his back literally if I ask for it. I believe that, mm-hmm. but that's because we're friends. Mm-hmm. We have a relationship. Yeah, and and if you're not willing to sit down and talk to people about this and talk to well, why do you believe this? And and Chris talks said he said it plenty of times during the sermon. Like seek to understand. Mm-hmm. Don't don't try to push your thoughts mm-hmm. without knowing or push your motives right uh, or what you think or their or what you believe their motives to be. Don't try to push. Right. That and and play the what if games and and well they believe this and then you have all this this whole movie then played in your head about <laughs> what this person is doing at home and how right. they're thinking and their thought process through all of these that are going on so yeah just making sure that we're not putting things on people uh, yeah. <laughs> that yeah so uh, last part of this how do you interact with Christians who value other people's lives as less than their own or practice abuse well. Remember, we want to use Matthew 18. If anybody is like in sin, then you want to address it. And so that's what we do. We address sin because we are a people who confront and interact, but we do it in a gentle and loving way because they will know we're Christians by the way we love one another. So that doesn't mean, and I I, I can feel like the sort of the the angst this person is asking with, like, how are they going to, you know, no, they don't understand. And I get it. You, you feel angsty that there's people out there that want to just abuse others. And I'm not saying there isn't. Uh, but remember, when we're talking about Christians, you come at them with the word of God. 
in love, mm-hmm. in spirit, and in truth. Yeah. And and so to finish it out, how do you speak with Christians? Blah, 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 blah with love. Yeah. How do you interact with Christians? Blah, 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 with love. It yeah. doesn't matter. With love. With yeah. love. So. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for the time you invested in researching all of this and studying and just coming at this from the most biblical and Christ-like perspective you can. We all appreciate it. That is all we have for this week, folks. We hope to see you on Sunday, and thanks for listening.